This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Dominique. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good morning. Ah, that's that's there. You got a beautiful signal right there. All right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, enjoy reading you on The Undefeated. Of course, we've heard you recently on The Levitard Show as well. And coincidentally, I mean, we saw, I was reading earlier this morning, uh, you wrote about the Dolphins last week, and specifically what I want to start with you about when it comes to the Dolphins, uh, you started off talking about Ryan Tannehill, and it, it would appear that, you know, you at least were on the side where you're not quite sure about Tannehill. Uh, I don't know how much of the game you saw this weekend, but I would say I thought he played the best game of his career this past Sunday. Did you see much of Ryan Tannehill this past Sunday? Yeah, I saw plenty of them, and I, I mean, I think the most impressive play was when he took that hit and still completed a deep pass. Uh, those are things that are, no matter how, how many years you've played in the league or how talented you are, those are the type of plays that are hard to, to duplicate and even hard to do once. So I think it's really impressive. He seems to have got, gotten better. My, I, I think I'm not alone, obviously, in not knowing what to make of Ryan Tannehill. But I, I do think that it's, it's a complicated game with a, a lot of moving parts. So it's hard to kind of – sort out whose fault is what and when there are things going well. But there are some things that just jump off the screen, like that pass jumped off the screen to me and made me feel really confident about the type of quarterback that he could be if he can do that consistently. Well, of course, we're hoping that Adam Gase can continue that Tannehill progression. But you discussed Adam Gase in your article on the Undefeated as well. You said that his coaching is creative but not strategic so far. So you were a bit critical of him. We are feeling very positive about Adam Gase down here. So explain to me your criticisms. Oh, sure. So I, I, um, I think that what they did in the red zone two weeks ago was kind of the game that I, I watched this most recent game just kind of as a fan. But two weeks ago I watched the game, uh, the, the kind of coach's film, and broke it down. And I thought that they did some really creative, interesting things in the red zone. As everyone knows, the, the field gets smaller and it's harder to score when you're down. So I was impressed with some of the plays that they pulled out. But what I, I didn't necessarily see was them building off of the plays that, that, that were successful. So they ran the ball. They've been running the ball well. And then they did the play action kind of deep post, which I didn't understand. Because if you're going to play action, I think you should attack the, the linebackers or the safeties who are in the box to stop the run. And the deep post doesn't do that. And it just seemed that play and, or the lack of those type of plays and a few other plays that they just seemed like they were setting something up the entire game. Game, but then the second play that it that you kind of would set up never seemed to come. So I I thought that like I said I thought the plays were were creative, but it wasn't very strategic. How uh, we got Dominic Foxwood joining us here. You can read him on the Undefeated. How uh, how important you think it is with for the the coach, a young coach like Adam Gase? You got a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill who's had several different offense coordinators so far in his career. How important is it that Gase seemingly trusts Ryan Tannehill? Uh, in, in a way that maybe his past coach did not. Yeah, I don't know that it's all that important, honestly. I think there, there are, it's been proven certainly in recent history that there are many ways to win in this league, and you can win with a game management style, and you can win with a kind of 
all in on the quarterback style. I think this team has the the talent to to do both potentially. Uh, the question I think there is still a question out there as we've talked about about uh, uh, how good Tannehill can be. But the the few things that I was critical of, um, well, I guess critical is the wrong word, but I was confused about is it seemed like the game plan that of the game that I watched was to kind of protect Tannehill and. I would think a guy after five years in the league, understandable that he's been in a few different systems, but I would think that it would they would not have a game plan that was meant to protect him and treat him kind of like you do a backup or a rookie quarterback. You mentioned the game management style. Game manager is a term that we've heard thrown around a lot this season with Ryan Tannehill. The coaching staff says that it shouldn't be considered an insult and that he should take it as a compliment and, and like you said, that there's many ways to win. Is calling a quarterback a game manager an insult? No, I certainly don't think so. I think managing the game is an important thing to do. I, I, game managers don't win Pro Bowls or go to the Hall of Fame. So I guess if, if that is his expectation, then it could quite possibly should be an insult. But I think there are many ways to win in this league. And game managers have to make plays at certain point. You can't win, uh, you can't win consistently if you don't convert some tough third downs or make some tough passes, but you're not asked to put the, the entire offensive load on, the, on their back. So I certainly don't think it's an insult. Many of the team has won a Super Bowl with a game manager at quarterback. Dominic, I took the former athlete look on this thing, and I did a little scouting report on you. You were the former NFLPA Prez. Yep, way back in my youth. You were, you were playing back when I was playing. I finished in 2012 as well. So uh, what was your last year? Uh, 11, maybe. Okay. You were, the, like you, were, that, you were the yeah. Bounty Gate PA president. <laughs> no, I, I, I guess, yeah, I was, uh, that was towards the end of my time there. Yeah. Have you ever kept in contact with any of the guys that were like involved in that Bounty Gate, like the, the Vilmas of the world? Um, I actually ran into Jonathan not too long ago, but I, I haven't really kept in contact with a lot of those guys. Was it interesting holding that position because I'm both friends with Jonathan and the current NFLPA president, Winston, so I'm wondering how that dynamic comes about in terms of your relationship with your teammates and the relationship with your coaches. Because I always thought of it as like almost like a death sentence, and Eric Winston is proving me wrong right now. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it causes some tension for, for coaches, but I feel like the teams and the organizations that are secure and doing things the right way aren't too concerned about that. I think that those days are behind us when your involvement in the union uh, kind of got you blacklisted. But you have to be a good player, too. No one's going to keep around a guy that they think uh, isn't very good but could, uh, excuse me, potentially pose some, some issues for the team. As Rom's been team director of the NFLPA, you also were the COO of the NBA PA. So how does that, how do, how is how are those two sports being involved in the players' association of two different sports? One, of course, that there's a lot of press, of course, about the NFLPA not being a very strong players' association as compared, of course, to the NBA PA. So how tell me about tell me about that a bit? No, I think that there are a number of kind of oversimplifications of relationships with the union and the league and trying to compare the, the two I think is uh, kind of unfair and difficult to do. Uh, I was satisfied with the things that I've accomplished at, at both places. So I think that it, it'll be interesting to see how the, the current CBA works out with the NBA Players Association. It seems that they won't be missing any games, which I think is in the best interest of everybody. Do you have something good for me about DeMory Smith that will change my view or opinion of him? I don't know. What is your view or opinion? Not good. Of? Not a big fan. I remember when I was in Atlanta and he tried to come in and speak to a few people in Atlanta. 
it wasn't too good either, collectively. Uh, um, well, no, I don't. You're a fan. You're <laughs> you a fan like of the Maurice? You don't like him. That, that's a. Uh, it's not my concern to try to get you to to like D. I think that um, I think to the the point that I made earlier that it's a, it's a complicated situation with the with the unions in the league, and I think oftentimes I, I'm not sure why you don't like them, but oftentimes the excuse me the outsiders kind of oversimplify the process and believe that uh, the executive director of the union has some magical power that he doesn't have. His power comes from the players' ability to stick together. And the players, frankly, it always comes down to the players' willingness to miss games, to get what they want. And I guess you could uh, could um, maybe argue that, that D was not able to engender the confidence in guys to to be willing to sit out. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that the executive director can do or say that's going to make the guys um, any more prepared for a lockout it's something that or a strike it's something that they have to do um something they have to feel passionate about and they have to be willing to make sacrifices so uh i i do think that there's a tremendous responsibility being executive director but i do think that is often too much blame and too much credit goes to whoever's at the top of the organization and it's probably the same in in football if uh, ryan Tannehill turns out to be uh, an all-pro quarterback i think we will often many of us will forget how much the offensive line has improved all of a sudden and how much the running game has improved all of a sudden we'll just kind of move past that and say well Hannah Hill's the man when actually there's a lot of other things that influence how, how he performs. Yeah, you're frustrated with the oversimplification of the process. You're also frustrated with the oversimplification of football analysis. I hear that a lot from former players. I know Romberg agrees with that as well, certainly before he got into the media about the oversimplification that a lot of us provide when it comes to football analysis. So I know that's been one of your motivating factors in writing for the undefeated, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. I I don't um I understand that there are like casual fans who who appreciate the kind of oversimplification, but there are people I think quite a number of fans out there who want to know kind of dig deeper and understand exactly what's going on and I think that uh, it's sometimes it's difficult to find those outlets. So rather than complain about it, I figured I would try to to be one of those voices to give those fans the kind of a look into exactly what's going on and rather than kind of fall into some of the platitudes that I think uh, kind of pervade our sport where it's like this team won because they were tougher or this team won because of some strong pregame speech or or this guy's terrible when in actuality there are a lot of other things that, that impact the game. So, I don't know, as a, as a former player, when I played, it would be frustrating when the narrative was all screwed up outside. So I thought, why not get in and, and try to see exactly like the X's and O's impacts of the game and, and leave all that other kind of hocus-pocus momentum and narrative stuff out of it. I'm totally with you, Dominique. Like, I wonder, as, as a former player and now someone who, who's in the media, what, what, is, what is the biggest misnomer that you hear from fans in, regard, in regards to, I guess, football analysis? Because I was just talking earlier in the show about Ryan Tannehill. And, hey, I mean, we can look at Phillip Rivers from the end of the game against the Dolphins this weekend where we see Phillip Rivers throws four interceptions in the fourth quarter, and the last throw there, you're wondering where the hell is he throwing it when we don't know that that receiver actually ran the wrong route. Like, that kind of stuff makes yeah. me crazy. Yeah, no, that, I think that, that stuff is, is tough. And I think more than anything, I just get frustrated with the um, like the narrative stuff where it's uh, where we kind of build this mystique around like the storyline that really motivated a guy to overcome 
or something motivated a guy to have a big game or that sort of stuff, or some guy is not focused because maybe he has something going on off the field, and that's the reason why they lost. Like that, that frustrates me because that it drives me kinda, nuts. Distractions. Yeah, that stuff just because it to me it um it kind of like oversimplifies and, and dehumanizes them like they're nothing more than football players and I, I'd rather rather than jump into that and say that well like his relationship troubles are the reason why he's not playing well like let's look at the film and see if the plays that they were running put him in position to play well or if um, the people around him were supporting him in a way that he needed to play well and or if he's just not playing well and I, I just feel like it's it's a lazy way to kind of look for something to explain what's happening when you don't actually know. Dominique, great job. We'll, uh, we'll continue catching you in the undefeated. Appreciate you joining us this morning. No problem. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.